Welcome everyone to Westview Q&A, where we seek to respond to your questions. Questions we've received through the week, and perhaps questions we didn't get to on Sunday mornings during our time of Q&A. I'm your host, Ryan Simunik, and of course, I am joined by Pastor Charlie Salamoni. Good morning, everyone. How are you feeling today, Charlie? Good. Yeah. I, maybe people are listening in the evening, so good evening. Good evening. <laughs> and good good middle of the day. Yep. Afternoon. Wherever you're at. Wh- wherever you're at. I want to start today by talking about culture. On Sunday, Evange brought up a number of reasons why the modern Western culture is resistant to Christianity. This is, of course, a generalization But how do you feel that our broad culture is resistant to the gospel? What is core to the Western worldview that may actually be contrary to the biblical worldview? Oh, man, here we go. Where do we start? Um, How is our present culture resistant to the gospel? Is that the question? Yes, all right. Well, maybe it would be perhaps first good to just clarify my understanding of how people in general are resistant to the gospel. Um, so uh, the gospel is good news. It's good news of God, a relationship with God, of life in him. And my understanding is that our natural, uh, hold on a second, pause, (laughs) pause, Uh, Lord, help. Uh, (laughs) I feel like this is like a really big question that it's like, I'm a... I think just, uh, I think we need to establish too that yeah. no matter what culture you're in, especially in the broad sense, there's going to be aspects of your culture where you can very clearly see um, a thirst for the gospel, a hunger for the gospel. Yeah. But there's also resistance to the gospel. Like every worldview, like yeah. and and unless we're talking about the purely biblical worldview, it's like all of our cultures are depraved. Yeah. Right, uh, so maybe that's good to sort I of. I was gonna start with that's what I was gonna start with giving an answer about just yeah people in general the heart that just wants to. I almost want to go back to like the Tower of Babel and what happened there and like it's uh, such a huge question, right? Right. It, it 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 speaks to the deep seated need that we all have for Jesus and the deep depravity that we all have to resist Him in like, a way, you know. Like, we go back and talk about, like, the Tower of Babel a little yeah. bit and, like, how we want to build our own tower. We don't want to, like, rest in God's tower. Yeah. And then could talk about how is that manifested in this culture? How do we see that play out? Right. Okay. All right. I that think was that's a false a great start. Place to start. False start. Take two. <laughs> yeah? Okay. okay. I, I think we should still let people hear the false start. Hear though. what I, I mean, j- just said. Let them hear all of that. Yeah. They can't. <laughs> <laughs> They can't see that. We're too, okay. okay. All right. Ask the question again. Ask the question again. Ask it again. Okay. I'm going to ask it again. They heard all of that. I, f- I, I feel like there's a high chance we're still going to leave this in, but I'm going to ask okay. it again. Okay. It's oh. your call. <laughs> okay. So uh, first question, quote unquote, um, this is of course a generalization, but how do you feel that we as a broad culture in the West are resistant to the gospel? Okay. Good. 
So I'm hearing this question for the first time right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So I think the way that the Bible paints the picture is that uh, if you begin at the beginning of the Bible, sin entered the world, you've probably heard. And then shortly after that, um, there's this really weird story about mankind building a tower and God not being happy with that, and he scatters the people. It's uh, chapter uh, 10, 11, I believe. Um, 11 sounds I think familiar. It's, yeah, it's somewhere over there. And... Um, uh, and, you know, there's some questions about why God is not happy with this tower. And when you look at it, you can see the the heart behind building the tower is a tower that we built for our own glory and honor. That's like why mankind is building the tower. Building a tower that we could feel good about, good about what we did uh, through the work of our hands. And... That is my understanding of the sinful nature in general, where the call of God is to come, know me, rest in me, and be amazed at my goodness and and all that I would do uh, for you and just do to show how great I am for you to enjoy. That is the call of God, but uh, the response of mankind is... Um, I'd rather not focus on that, and instead I'd like to focus on what I can do and the work of my hands so that I can feel good about myself apart from you. And um, so that's the the heart of man, and that's the, the heart of sin, and that's how that stands in contrast to the call of God, and I think that is timeless. Well... Timeless since sin entered the world, that is, um, and will be timeless until sin is uh, forever gone. But when it comes to this present moment, this present culture, then we can ask the question, how is that tower, how is that, how are we trying to build that tower? And how is the gospel uh, speaking to us saying that tower is not good? So... uh, how does our culture try to build the tower? Um, let's think here. Um, well, uh, I think uh, we live in very we live in very um, comfortable times, don't yes. you think? Um, Absolutely. Where I think uh, you know. I'm in Canada, if you don't know, but uh, I think you guys have probably heard of the American Dream. Do you, do you yeah, I think call I'm it that here? Familiar. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm vaguely familiar with that. Really? How big of a concept is that here? Does that does everyone know what the American Dream oh, yeah, is? Oh, yeah. I was being sarcastic. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to get educated on what <laughs> what people know of here and what I can just speak oh, yeah. about. Um, well, you know, um, written into... Uh, the American, you know, uh, heart is this idea of um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the way that that is framed so easily is, well, um, get a good job, get a nice house, you know, get a nice car, a pretty wife, you know, um, from the 
<laughs> from the husband's standpoint or, you know, uh, <laughs> a, a handsome rich husband or, or whatever, yeah. you know, success, worldly success. Right. Okay. And those are the people that we would naturally aspire to be like. Okay. Um, uh, I think that's just so ingrained in our way of thinking and, yeah. And it's like everything down to like, um, it, it's it's how we, I think, naturally just judge one another. You know, you get in a conversation with someone, like, what do you do? There's yeah. kind of like a status, like, what is your status in this world? And um, so one of the things that uh, I think the gospel comes in and says, that doesn't count for anything. Hmm. Um, as in, there might be benefits, of course, to having a good job and, and a comfortable house, but in the grand eternal scheme and in the eyes of God, your labors to that end, they don't impress God, and um, and there is something greater to be found. And I think that for those of us who have really worked hard on our tower, you know, mm. we've worked hard and we feel good about our tower. You know, I feel good about my status in life, whether it's my good job, my like fancy car or, you know, for some people, their tower might be like, I have the best like, you know, Xbox video game collection and I'm like the best. Yeah. Whatever you feel accomplished and and proud about, uh, the gospel comes in and says, well, that's not actually it. There is something more wonderful for you to feel good about, but you have to be willing to take your eyes off of your own tower. Hmm. And I think there's this like, no, I don't want to do that. Hmm. Okay. Um, so that that might be one aspect. I think there's a lot more to it. What are your thoughts? Honestly, what's coming into my head right now is a very strange paradox, which is when we seek after only our present happiness and comfort, we are completely preoccupied with future concerns all the time. Because it's not just how can I attain for myself more pleasure or goodness, but it's also the fear of losing it. And how can I maintain it? So that takes us away from actually being able to enjoy the present moment. Whereas what I think the Christian worldview is calling us to is to actually aim ourselves towards an eternal purpose and an eternal hope, which actually allows us to rest and enjoy our current, the, the, the current simple blessings of life. And it's kind of ironic that way. Um, I don't want to take us off topic, but you asked what I was thinking. And I think there is... A big paradox there that's like we have this idea right like you're talking about the american dream right and for sure that has seeped into canadian culture just this idea of you know life liberty and the pursuit of happiness like what kind of liberty do we want what kind of freedom do we want is yeah. it freedom from sin and death in order to be servants of god or is it just being able to do literally whatever we want yeah uh, right. That's like, a good point because life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I would say, properly understood, that's biblical. You know, right? Right. Life, as long as we know what life is, 
uh, we know what liberty, what freedom is, and yeah. what real happiness is. Like that's totally what we should be doing, right? And 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 is it the pursuit of happiness in eternal bliss with the triune God yeah. forevermore? Yeah. Or is it just this temporary? I get whatever I want kind of happiness. Here's something that that I think is true, and um, I think that this I think this is one of those timeless truths where the gospel comes into every culture. I think the thing that humanity must uh, reconcile with is, I'll say it this way, uh, this way the Bible says it, is the the jealousy of God. Mm. Um, And if that's a new idea for you, I'm sure lots of questions came up in your mind. But, I mean, this is, like, right connected with the Ten Commandments. Like, the Lord your God is a jealous God. And I think that is where we don't want to hear it, okay? Mm -hmm. If you know Oprah's story, that's where she said, I'm done with Christianity, okay, when she heard that. Um, And I think a lot of people, that's also, you know— where they would say, no, I don't want to hear this because there's an idea of like, hey, I'm trying to be a good person here. Okay. So it's like me and God are good. Like I'm not living for him. He's not my first priority. I'm not letting his truth really just um, define my life. I'm really trying to build my own tower here, but I'm trying to be a good person. So God should be okay with me. Hmm. But then God comes in and says, no, actually, my call is for you to live for me and to rest in my goodness. And that's where the jealousy comes in. And that's where we would say, I don't like that. Right. Um, And so do we have to talk more about the jealousy of God now that I brought it up? (laughs) I think it'd be good. I think that maybe maybe it's on people's minds now, right? Now, right, because some people are like, what? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because right. I, I think that we can probably loop it back around, um, okay. back to this question later. Um, Here we go. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm stealing this from somebody, but sometimes you have an analogy in your head where you're like, maybe I already heard this from somebody. So okay, I'm sorry ahead. if you're out there and this is your analogy, but um, I've often thought of it as it's like you get this beautiful meal at a restaurant, right? And then you turn to the waiter and you go, this is amazing. Thank you so much for this meal. Thank you. Thanks for giving it to us. Thanks for doing all these things. And the chef is in the back going, uh, excuse me, I did all that. And it's like there is this moment where when we worship the created things rather than the creator, it's a grave injustice. And I mean, like that analogy just doesn't even come close to the great injustice that it is for us not to give our whole lives and love to to God. But it's like you think of it in terms of like he created us. He made us beautiful. He gave us this beautiful earth to live on and to and to reign as an extension of his reign and then he sacrifices his son for us and Mm -hmm. and and is waiting with open arms it's like that kind of jealousy in terms of he wants us in love it's like that's a good jealousy like you that's 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 right like it's it's owed him right it says ascribe to the lord the glory that's due his name like it's it's owed to him yeah yeah that's uh i think that's an important fact like god is jealous for us to have what is good and to desire what is good. Right. It's not like he's jealous because, I mean, when we think of jealousy, it's usually rooted in insecurity, mm. you know, and it's yes. like, oh, he's 
you know, he needs to be affirmed so he can feel good about himself because he's an insecure person. It's like, yeah, that's not where it's coming from for him. Um, so talking about analogies, this is one I've used before and you might have heard me use it. It's where I come from back in Wasa. There was a little joke about this. Uh, um, you know, my <laughs> my tech guy made like a meme type thing out of it, but leave that alone. Um, this is the analogy I came up with once. Um Let's say I love to cook, and I actually do. Um, uh, let's say I love to cook, and I put in like a, a ton of uh, thought and money and time and pain, and I labored and, and I gave much of myself to craft the best meal I could possibly make with all my years of knowledge in the kitchen and, and out of my love for my friends, thinking about all of them deeply, I just thought so hard about just how I could just show them uh, like my love for them and just give them something that they will just remember and enjoy. So I made this food and it was like the delicacies of the world, okay? So I made it. And uh, I invite all my friends over, and I'm really excited to put this food on the table. Um, it's going to just be joyful for them, joyful for me. But somebody snuck in, uninvited, and they brought bags and bags of Taco Bell. Mm. Okay? Do you have Taco Bell here in Canada? I've had it before, maybe... Yes, I think we What's do actually. Equivalent? Yes, we do. We do have one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, all right. Well, McDonald's. Sure. Or whatever. Cheeseburgers. Whatever. Cheap food. Um, Taco Bell. All yeah. right. Someone brought in bags and bags of food they bought at the gas station or whatever. And they're handing it out. Okay. And all my guests are just eating. Taco Bell, cheap junk food, and they're getting full, and I haven't even brought my food out, all right? I'm getting jealous. Hmm. I'm getting angry, yeah. okay? Um, and it's not because I'm insecure thinking, like, I need you to know my food is better. I know my food is better, yes. okay? It's the fact that that's not what this party's for. Like, I invited you here to enjoy something greater than what you're enjoying. And yes, I'm not happy. Yes, I'm angry that your appetites and your delights are being wasted on this. I want you to enjoy what's real because that's what this is all about. That's what this party is all about. And when it comes to God, he made us. This creation isn't about us just enjoying the things on our agenda. It is about knowing him who is like the ultimate delicacy of life and um, enjoying him. Yeah. And it's fitting for him to be jealous when we're in his home 
in his creation saying, no, thank you. I'm, I'm interested in other things. Hmm. We were made for him. We were made to enjoy him. Um, and, and, and all the gifts that, that he provides. Yeah. Amen. And you can see that very evidently in, you know, you talked about the power, the, the tower of Babel, but there's, there's, there's this, there's this innate desire in human nature for God that got corrupted. Right. And, and we're seeking after all of these other things. Like we're worshiping machines, right? We're, we're worshiping beings, I should say. And it's like you can see that everything that we pursue is actually uh, just a corrupted version of pursuit for God. Um, and we're looking for him in the wrong places. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, not only that, I think, uh, you know, many of the things that we chase after... A lot of those things are things that God wants to give us. Yeah. But the thing is, we want to feel like this is something we did, something we created, um, when a lot of it is, what do we have that we haven't received? That's how the scriptures mm-hmm. say, say it. Like, what do you have that you haven't received? Yeah. Like, let's say you really are smart. Did you create your smartness or did someone make you smart? You know, let's say you're really strong. Someone made you strong, you know. Maybe you you spent a lot of time, you know, in the gym working out. Uh, someone gave you the body and the ability and the resolve to do that. Like everything we have comes from God. Uh, so in this way, there is more of like the understanding of like, let's look to him, let's thank him, let's rejoice in him, let's rest in him, rather than sitting back and saying, you know, look at me, like, look what I've done. And so once more, that's, I think, the timeless heart of man and the way that the gospel comes in and the gospel says, no, uh, look to God, rest in God. And with all that being said, I think there are more ways that our culture uniquely rejects and turns from that. Right. I think there's more more we could say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we could probably fill two hours of just listing them and sort of unpacking it. Um, but I think what I'd like to do now is sort of look at the flip side of this, of how our culture is uniquely um, open to the gospel and is uniquely looking oh, for Jesus. Good, good. Like Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So yeah. we need to take Jesus at his word and say, and trust in his word and say, hey, the harvest is plentiful. Like yep. the spirit is at work and there are unique opportunities within our culture, ways that people are looking for Jesus. That's so good. I'm glad you said that because that's, I think um every, there. okay, so, so the lie, the subtle lie. Yeah sometimes not so subtle is if you work hard, you get a good job, um, you know, you get the house, the picket fence, the car. I mean, that's going to make you happy. Right. That's going to be the life, the liberty, the, the, that's going to be the full life. And I think people are really understanding that that's not true. Okay. Mm-hmm. People are, are, are watching the, you know, the, the Instagram influencers who seem to have all those things and they see through it. They say, 
this is two-dimensional, okay? I don't believe that these people are really happy, okay? I believe that it's, it's, it's just a charade. And so uh, I think you have people that are really just rejecting that altogether. I mean, there's some people that, that are, you know, you have younger people often saying, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna put the work into, to, you know, finding a job that isn't gonna really fulfill me, um, just to have this American dream, um, and they're left searching for a more, uh, full, rewarding way of life, um, I think it's happening. Yeah. I, I, I think too. I mean, I am by no means an expert in culture or philosophy in any way, but I think within within the modern era there's this idea that it's like we can understand everything. Yeah. Uh, right? Like if we just if we just spend enough time trying to understand the world, we can get there. I think the postmodern era came in and was like, No, you can't. Right? And then there comes to be this time where it's like there's there's almost like a desperation there where it's like you know yeah. I can understand all of these things but I still don't have any purpose that's, like I don't have any meaning so I think there's exactly it. how I would put it is that there's a longing for transcendence that's, in our culture that's it um I think that's precisely it it's and, a longing yeah. for transcendence for meaning for something yeah bigger than my experiences perfect yeah yeah i was gonna say we should probably define transcendence but i think you just did (laughs) yeah you know something that is beyond us even beyond our comprehension right like god is god is holy he is separate above us and there's this longing for the transcendent that will give meaning to our life right yeah um the harvest is ripe fam yep i think that is that is the that is the way that our our culture is yeah. is open. I I also want to say too that th- there are kind of two dangers here. We can see culture as like the big bad wolf that we need to run away from, um, and I think that that's a mistake. I don't think we're called to be set apart from the world for the sake of the world, right? Like all of the ways that our culture resists the gospel, it's like we need to actually be in community and, and, and be involved and see how culture is also good. Like there's there's good godly things in culture that we need to point out and say, hey, like that is in you, like this good thing in you or this good idea is there because you're made in the image of God and to point mm-hmm. that out because it's pointing to Jesus. Um, but I think that other extreme is saying, well, everything's good and then we start to get shaped by the culture. Um, in in the church in a way that maybe starts pulling us into some unbiblical ways and unbiblical worldviews. Yep, that's I, I think that's probably if we keep doing these podcast recordings, uh, culture is something we're probably gonna have to keep talking about because I think so. There's just so much uh, yeah. really nuanced conversations yeah. we can have. We take a certain. <laughs> I mean, you could, you, we could take like a, a song, a popular, you know, top 40 song, and we could say like, is this good? That'd be great. You know? That's a great idea. Um, you know, yeah, I'm supposed to be asking the questions, but I just <laughs> have a lot of thoughts on this. So, it's, you know, I, I, I have just one other thought here before I keep going with the questions yeah. is that I think it'd be very easy for us to take all of these observations about culture and then go out and wield them like a sword. And the way that we're like, 
now we understand why our culture is depraved and we just understand everybody. So we're just going to come with all these answers and just be ready where it's like individuals are different. Like we're all depraved. We all have, um, we all have this sin issue. And it's like, I think it's also a call just to actively and compassionately listen to people and figure out where, where their heart aches for Jesus and be able to speak life into that. Like what, what do you think on that? Hmm. Well, I think uh, taking the approach of being a, a public culture warrior mm. uh, is a great way to have a uh, fruitless ministry. Mm. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, uh, to to take a stand and be like, "Hey, I think all y'all are awful." <laughs> um. Who wants to hear about, you know, the love of Jesus? Right. <laughs> like, um, I just don't think it's it's productive. And also, it's, it's not the biblical way. Um, mm. I think, uh, depending on when this podcast gets released, it's probably going to be the sermon that you hear last Sunday. But for me, it's a sermon that I'm working on. Um, so I'll give you a recap Sneak or a peek. preview. <laughs> or I guess again, not if they hear it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, when the Apostle Paul was preaching in Athens, uh, so that'd be like Mars Hill, right? You know, um, he, first, before he preaches to them, he's going for a walk and he's looking at their... Uh, the things they worship, their idols. And it says that he was, I mean, depending on what pastor you're looking at, I think it says that he was provoked, okay? Uh, verse 16, uh, chapter 16. He's provoked. Uh, as in he's like, he's disturbed. Like this culture, this particular culture worships things that are not God. And we could talk about that. We did talk about that. I think the culture here worships like this idea of the American dream. Those are the people we hold in most regard. That's what we want to be. And and we can be disturbed by that. And it's good. It's good to be disturbed hmm. by the false ideas of the culture. But he does not then go and preach to them and say, you filthy idolaters. Right. Um he actually starts by uh, he starts by um, affirming what he sees as good. Hmm. He says, "Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. So uh, you are looking for transcendent truth. Like that's yeah. good. Way to go." And he said, "I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription." Uh, to the unknown God, what you therefore worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. You know what? You're going to have to listen to the sermon if you want to hear all the details of the specifics. But one interesting thing that I'll bring up here, and I'm sure I'm going to bring up in the sermon also, is um, he says, you know, you should you should seek God. And he says, um, even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Okay? Now, that's really interesting if you think about it from a Christian perspective, what he's doing here. He's saying some of your own poets have said we are indeed his offspring. Well, that poet who said that wasn't talking about the Lord. 
that poet was talking about Zeus. Hmm. And so instead of saying, burn all those books, <laughs> burn all those false, you know, religious texts, he's actually taking something and he's using it yeah. to point to the ultimate truth in God. I think this actually should make us pause. You know, when you've heard about like Christians like burning all their secular CDs, like I've right. heard of that, like youth groups having like parties where like everyone bring your Metallica, your Nirvana, I'm showing how old I am here, or whatever. <laughs> I can think what's a more recent band so I don't sound too old. Um, your something. Name one band. <laughs> <laughs> Being a musician sounds like name one band. It's like doing like uh, easy math in front of a crowd. You're like, uh, uh, uh. Whatever. Bring <laughs> yeah, your, yeah. bring your, whatever. Bring your, your Arcade music. fire, let's say. Okay, bring That's, it. Because yeah. we're going to burn it because it's not of God. Yeah. And it's like, instead, maybe uh, we can now listen to this music through the lens of knowing the truth. Okay, yeah. and we can see how God has always been there. God has always been working, even through. Um, don't get me wrong, Zeus is not God. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, don't get me wrong. Much of what you will hear, you know, on MTV, is not good. All right, um, but I don't think we need to take the approach of burn it all. No. Um, I think we can engage and dialogue as as missionaries and also just understanding that god has always been there okay mm -hmm. god has been at work uh before we showed up god has been at work in these mm -hmm. cultures amen that's really good no that's i think that's really helpful um i'm gonna move into some of the questions that we didn't get to answer on sunday uh, this first question, and I think, actually, it's amazing how these things tie in really well, but this first question is, how can we live for Jesus when the crowds we are with are so different from us? And then they say, kind of peer pressure. Um, yeah, how can we, how can we be, be lights in the world when, when those around us are so different? Well, if they weren't different, then what would be our mission? <laughs> you know? Point. Yep. It's like... Uh, Everyone I work with, they're all Christians. So, you know, uh, well, in my case, that's actually largely true. But <laughs> but that's not. <laughs> now I'm feeling flustered. Um, where was I? All right. What do we do? Uh, all the, the the people that the crowd that surrounds me, um, they they're not believers. How do we live? Um, well, I think there's a lot of ways to answer this uh hmm. can i say one thing yeah why don't you start <laughs> <laughs> i'm supposed to be the host here i'm just like can I say something? um you know jesus went to be with the father a lot alone during his ministry and he sent out his disciples after they had been with him and i think that sometimes we come into this conversation of how do I be a light in the world? And we're thinking strategy. What do I do? What do I say? What do I? And I think the first thing that we need to do is be with Jesus, so that there when we go. go out, people see and smell and hear Jesus. That's really a good answer. I didn't have an answer for that one, and I think you nailed it. That's it. Um, if uh, it, I think when we're surrounded by people who aren't believers, it's just really important that we're not faking it, right? 
And yeah. that's really the essence of like, um, have we been walking with Jesus? Have we seeking him? Because right. I think if we're truly seeking him, he's going to show us. He's going to give yeah. us the wisdom. He's going to give us the heart. He's going to give us the resolve, you know. Um, but if we're just kind of leaning on, you know, some sort of Christian identity, right. apart from a relationship with him, I think that's when we're going to fail and fall to the temptations and to the pressures of the crowd. Yeah. It's like, let it be our DNA, right? Uh Uh-huh. It's like, I don't, I don't need to worry about being Ryan when I'm in a group of friends. It's like, why should I be worried about being the beloved of God? You know, I I loved how you said it because really it's not about a formula. It's not about like, this is the formula for how to reach the crowd with Jesus. Hmm. I mean, really the formula is, Walk with Jesus, <laughs> be yeah. sensitive to the spirit. Yeah. Um, but there's not like a, you know, eight steps to saving your workplace. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, it's really hard to compassionately listen to somebody and depend on what the spirit is guiding you in when you have your sort of whatever step program and you're like, I'm ready with this thing to say whenever the time comes. Right. It's like, <sighs> this is really cool because this connects with what we were talking about earlier. Mm. A lot of times as Christians, we want to build a Christian tower. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I go to my workplace, I'm going to save them all. Like they're going to become Christians. Right. I'm going to make this big influence for the kingdom. And I'm going to have an awesome tower that shows like how great of a Christian I am. Right. When in reality, we go do our jobs with the heart rest that says God is with me. He will do it. He yeah. will show me. He will do it all. Yeah. I have nothing to offer. I have no impressive tower, but he, resting in him, he's happy to do it through me. And then we have nothing to boast in but him. Yeah, that's it. Instead of boasting, we have have a testimony. Yeah. This is what what happened. Okay, and let me tell you, uh, it wasn't me because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) You know? That's amazing. And on the flip side, it's like sometimes we can go and do that out of pride because we want to accomplish and feel great. On the other side, sometimes we do it out of guilt because we want to feel that we've earned the love of God or we've earned our status as the beloved of God when it's like we already start with that. Yep. We don't need to build a tower. Jesus is the tower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's our refuge, our Mm -hmm. stronghold. Amen. Amen. Uh, Another question here. I recently had a fire set in my heart for the harvest how can I be a laborer in the field when I am working behind the scenes, unlike others who are in a place to work closely with other people? So it seems that there's perhaps some subtext to this question that we're not aware of, but I think if I read into it a little bit, perhaps they're saying that the work that they do is not around a lot of people. Um, yep. So I'm not really sure exactly whoever you are who wrote this question, what your context is, but I think we can, yeah, I think we can move into this question. Yeah, well... That. Um, well, on one hand, you, you never know when God can have you. I mean, uh, you never know when, when, uh, God's going to cross your paths with someone. Okay. It's like Philip ran into that eunuch in the desert, you know, probably wasn't planning that. So even if you don't have a job where you're expecting to run into people, you very well might, but even if you don't. Okay, even if you don't like there is a ministry of prayer. Okay, 
there's a, a great ministry. Like if you have like an eight hour job where you don't really talk to anyone, but you can be praying for people that are okay, praying for your neighbors. And perhaps if that really, you know, burdens you praying for a job, praying for God to show you how you can get a different job. Mm. If, if you really feel like, you know, that's your calling. I, I shared, you know, last uh, year sometime about my friend Landon who did just that. He was working in a factory and wasn't feeling like he was having much of an influence. And he prayed and the Lord very clearly spoke to him and led him to a, a job where he did. Yeah. Um, and he had a huge influence there. Wow. Um, he ended up dying there at his job. And, you know, that's another story for another time. But but even his, his death, uh, uh, people came to salvation through that. So, um, yeah, if, if you feel like your vocation is not bearing fruit, it could be God has you there for a season of waiting and strengthening. Um, and, uh, and at the right time he'll, he'll bring you out. And so I'd say pray about that. Um, but as you recognize this is where God has you, um, there's still ways to make the best use of the time. Yeah. Could we talk for a second about maybe this, um, the, the dichotomy of quantity versus quality and maybe how that fits into, I forget what you call it, but the, your, your holy pyramid scheme, <laughs> you know, cause I, I'm just trying to look at the oh, subtext the of term, this question. The holy pyramid scheme. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm just wondering if part of this is wondering, like, I need to be talking to a lot of people. Yeah. Right? That's like, a really good point. Okay. Should probably define my pyramid scheme, but now yeah, it's out. With, now it's people out are gonna I'm know. Sorry. I've yeah. They're gonna know about the scheme, <laughs> and it's not gonna work. Um, okay, I've always been impressed with um, the ability of like multi-level marketing to really work. And um, don't, I'm not into that stuff personally, so don't. And, and I'm not like necessarily opposed to it either. So that's, this is not a commentary. It's a lighthearted joke, people. Don't take <laughs> yep. it too seriously. Okay? I'm not offering commentary on whether or not you should join Mary Kay or, yeah. you know. But um, send Charlie your emails. But <laughs> but if you are looking for high quality products at a low <laughs> price, okay, <laughs> you can contact me. Just kidding. I, I'm kidding. I don't do that. Um, But uh, I've been impressed actually with how... um how those businesses can grow. And a lot of it is, um, because I know people have done it, like you have, uh, you know, someone who's in this business, they have a few people under them and they'll regularly call them, encourage them. And, you know, are you, are you making your sales? Are you making your calls? Like, oh, you're feeling discouraged. You can do it. You know? And, um, of course the motivating factor there is often money. So it's not necessarily like good in of itself, but, Regardless, like this structure of it's kind of like a pyramid. I hate to say a scheme because it's not always a scheme. Sometimes it's just a pyramid, um, mm-hmm. you know, structure of the business. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a joke, right? It's right. It's, but it's really about exponential growth, yeah. right? What we're talking about. But, but the point is you might have, you know, a thousand people under you, but you probably only talk to like six of them. Right. Okay. And they each talk to like six people under them or so. And really, like... I think that is is really God's plan for changing the world mm. um, in the sense of like, I think you can really make a case that like 
Jesus had his preaching ministry, but his his primary way of changing the world was his disciples. He had 12 disciples and people have noted that he also had his like three inner circle that he really like at certain times he just pulled them aside. And those are the people, uh, Peter, James, and John that he really uh, poured into. And so the point is maybe God doesn't need you pouring into a hundred people. Maybe there's just one or two or three people in your life that God really wants you praying for, focusing on. Um, and perhaps those people are going to go and reach more people. And um, and it will be the, the pyramid. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, 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 yep. the pyramid scheme, I, I think here at Westview, you're probably going to hear more about that as we seek to further define and, um, and just build our discipleship plan yeah. um which which is a work in process and will continue to be right on right on i love it i think that's a good place to end okay why not yeah this has been a great conversation yeah it has been thank you everybody for uh listening uh if you have a question you'd like us to answer or a comment about something we talked about on this episode send us an email at ask at westviewmontreal.org that's ask at westviewmontreal.org. Grace and peace to you, friends. Take care. Shalom. Shalom.